Hey guys, in chapter 7 of AB Talks, I sit with Asya. Very, very interesting interview. I hope you enjoy it and you can watch the video interview on my YouTube channel. Well, hello. Hi. How are you? Good, alhamdulillah. How are you? I've been meaning to meet you. I don't know. I find you extremely interesting and... No. I don't want to say I don't want to use the word weird, but I mean weird in a good way. It's okay. Because I I consider myself weird, I think. But uh I do think you you stand out, obviously. I think you already know that. Um but I wanted to know more like who is Asia? Let's start with that. And literally a big question, a very generic question, but I want you to answer it in the way you want to answer it. So who's Asia? What are you about? I think mostly like I'm I know I work in like social, so I hate defining myself by like what I work as because I think that's a really poor way of trying to define someone's character. It's like you should never really kind of like describe yourself by your job, but I've been in social for so long that I feel like it's just become When you say social <laughs> means social media. Yeah, I've just been in it for so long that I feel like it's just become part of like my overall being. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly who I am. I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit, but what I try and invoke and what I try and live by daily is just kind of like the perpetuation of like positivity and just like overall happiness. You don't think it's over overplayed this positivity thing? No, I think mm, yes and no actually. This whole like need to constantly be a positive person is really overplayed. Like the whole idea that you can find happiness and like live happy and live like super chill is really overplayed. I mm. feel like that's like the whole it's a really bad, you know how like social media is kind of like a facade of what real life really is like like it's not really it's not really real yeah and right? i think it's important to say that a facade is part of the structure yeah it has it's to not be. Uh, people look at facade as being a fake veil mm-hmm. right it doesn't necessarily have to be it's an appetizer yeah but there I, is I still more to, to it you know it's a good way to put it appetizer i guess yeah because then i hope the meal complements the appetizer but some people contradict like what mm-hmm. you see on social and in the last few years i mean i've seen people who really know how to really act damn well yeah they, they play are, the system bro yeah they, they really play the do. system bro they like know it's crazy how to play and they're really good at it i know and of are. course that's a certain perception about that individual that is so false when you're in the in the atmosphere of the whole influencer thing you're like mm. Mm. i get it yeah. i think for me i started the i started the influencer thing back in 2012 and when i started it was like an actual like dot com like i had to put work into texts and like I did copywriting and I had to take my own pictures and I took a tripod around everywhere and like took pictures of myself and did the whole like proper fashion blogging why I chose these pieces what they meant for like society on a whole like proper mm. trying to delve deep into doing the fashion blogging thing correctly you know and around the same time that I started I got married and then I had children pretty young and so all my energy kind of was driven into Okay, this is what I really enjoy doing as a passion. Like this is my passion project. But then I also really need to focus on my children because I mean I I was raised in an environment and my husband was raised in an environment where our moms were really really hands-on. So it was like if I wasn't the most hands-on mom, I just wouldn't be doing it right. You so feel guilty. because yeah, not yeah, you get the mom guilt is like the worst possible thing. But my point to bring it up was that like I focused on that so much that I never really got into the influencer circle. I feel like at you think you're like an outcast. Sometimes, yeah. I don't think that I'm like an outcast in like a negative connotation. No, no, it I don't mean anything like about it. Yeah, it's yeah. a good thing. I think there's like a certain amount of respect that I think I have for other influencers and they have for me. But we don't really spend time together on like a personal basis. It's not yeah. really 
it's not really something that I was ever interested in because my focus is always work and then straight to my children, you know? Yeah. So there's no in-between for, like, that socialization. It, there was nothing there. Do you think the, the marriage and the kids was a hindrance? A Ooh. pause? I think it was a pause, but I don't think it was a hindrance. I think But hindrance, don't you think a pause can be a hindrance? No, I feel like they're two different things. Like, a hindrance has really negative connotations to oh. it, as if, like, it's something that really, like, pulled you back. But the pause was good. The pause was, like... You know why I say this, Asya? Because... Um, realistically, I've met women who, the moment they got married and they, or they had kids or not, it killed them. Mm. Like I look at them, how depressed they are after, mm. and it's really sad because it seems like they were on on onto something, mm -hmm. firing away and really driven, and then they took this maybe because like you said it's a lot of them had the peer pressure of being a certain image or how mm. their parents taught them a good mother is mm. and the society doesn't really help also for no, a career woman no. that they lose themselves mm -hmm. and then you you their kids are growing up and they're not happy and you're mm. like what happened and they lost themselves in those years I totally and that's get it. why i'm asking this question i think it's really easy to lose yourself with your children but then when you do that for me i never wanted to raise my own children with the expectation that they had to live up to a certain standard of things. So if I lose myself in just raising my kids, right, which is, it works really well for some people, but for me personally, I feel like it was too much pressure on my child for me to just constantly be only about them. Mm. So that, what does that say to them really is like, their failures and their successes are also my failures and my successes. And that's a, that's a massive amount of pressure to put on children. And I just never wanted to do it to mine. So I needed to make sure that I had my own thing as well. You know, yeah. like having my own thing was like completely the most necessary thing to my own mental health, you know? Like I can't, I cannot be the mom that stays home with their kids all day. I can do it on the weekends and I can do it when I have holidays and I can do it when I have the time, but I can't do it all day, every day. It's just, it's just not feasible for like my mental capacity. I feel like I can do a lot more with my time and my kids then in turn get to be with a lot more people and experience a lot more different people. Like they have a lot more of a, a larger family structure. They get to see their grandparents more. They get to see their uncles more. I have to depend on my, their uncles more. I have to depend on their aunts yeah. more. And that's so nice. Like, that's expanded the amount of people that love social. them. Yeah. yeah. It's expanded the amount of people that love them in the world. And, like, that's, I feel like, more important than just having their mom be like, hey, 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 hey. Yeah, you yeah. know, it just doesn't work for me. What about, okay, but what about the, the first question I asked you? We still didn't reach anywhere. Which, which I talk in circles. So, we'll go back to the beginning of the circle. Okay, where was the beginning where, of the circle? Who are you? What, who what are you about? Um, like when I say, what is Asya about? What do you feel? I feel like I'm a lot about uniqueness in the form of, um, or in the face of rather, um, sameness, if that makes any sense. Uniqueness in the? In the face of sameness. We live in a really super difficult society. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget that I grew up in this society and I'm part of the society, I'm part of the culture, but because I don't have the language, they forget that that's not, language doesn't define culture and language doesn't define like what you've learned and what you've grown up in, right? They forget that I actually grew up here, I, I, I know the society super well, I know my culture really well. I just choose to change a little bit about myself so I'm happier in it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Culture should be something that really like works with you and like that you enjoy. I feel like society here just is like a super stifling, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really hard thing to live in sometimes. I think it's you know? a GCC thing or an Arab thing. I 
think the GCC is a little bit in a vacuum when it comes to the Arab thing. Because Arab identity on, on a whole, we're relatively similar. It's very similar. broad. Yeah, it's, it's a really broad amount of culture, but we're relatively similar. Even like Asian culture is really similar to our own, you know? We forget mm -hmm. that like all of it, the, the similarity of like honor and uh, respect and all of those things, they yeah. kind of boil down to the, the same thing, you know? Mm. But the GCC is definitely in a vacuum. For Do you it. feel you belong? You belong here or you belong in America? Because I know you're half American. Yeah, correct? my mom is from the States. So do you believe you belong anywhere or you, you don't belong anywhere? Or somewhere, I mean. I feel like I'm like a third culture person. Like I've taken the, the I've best. I've heard that recently yeah. also from somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that identify as third culture, right? Yes. Like So they grew up in like a bit of both and then they, they kind of meld it together into what makes them comfortable. Is it hard? Yeah, it's the hardest thing because I go to the States and I'm not American enough for Americans because so much of the respect patterns that I grew up in and the honor patterns that I grew up in and like clothing and I don't know, just family dynamic. They don't fit in with yeah. like Western American culture. And then so much of like what I identify as really important to me and my identity, like my tattoos and so much of like my self-expression is, is very like Western for Arabs, you know, and like it's it's a really hard mix. Like I don't feel like I belong. School was where? I, w I was here for a little while. Which is which, which years? Let me think. I was here for first to fourth. Mm. And then I did fifth, sixth, and seventh in the States. And then I came back here. And when I left here, I was a little girl. Mm. Like I was like 10 and everything was fine. And playing with boys was chill. And like anything I wore was totally fine. I could go out in shorts and 50 degree heat. It was bomb. It was amazing to be in Kuwait. And I left, I was so mad that I was leaving. I got to the States and then that's when I became a teenager. Mm. So then you come back and I'm a teenager and none of those rules apply to me anymore. It's like all your friends that you left, all those guys, you can't talk to them anymore. I'm like, what the hell? I have no friends here anymore. This is awful. You can't wear this short skirt anymore. But I'm like, it's hot as butt outside. Like I'm going outside in a short skirt. What are yeah. you talking about? And there's my dad like, no, you're 14. Like you're, you're a woman now. So congratulations. And I'm like, this is this is awful. This is so the worst it thing. was a culture shock, you think? Yeah, it's like back? reverse culture shock. You mm. forget that those like formative years, they change everything. Like it's just literally three years between when a girl is like chill and then when a girl is now a woman. Like there's no, you, there's no like, like in between. Would you say you were in most probably, let's say high school back in Kuwait, right? Yeah, I spent the last three years of high school back here. Was it easy or were you bullied? Yeah, it was really awful. It was? Yeah, it was super awful. Why would you say that? Um... I think I came back with more uh, American notions of how life was meant to be lived and trying to get out of that again and go into a, like a private all-girls school because I was in an all-girls school. It was really hard. Like the stigma attached to being half American here was really bad back then. Super bad. Like the idea was that I was out like partying all the time and like tons of boyfriends and like just all these like stigmas that were really attached to just being American were automatically applied to me. Where in, in reality, my dad was probably like the most strict father like you could have found out of my entire graduating class. It was mm. awful. It was so awful. Like I would walk into rooms and everybody would collectively stand up and walk out. Like oh, wow. it was that bad. It was really bad. Yeah. But how, how do you survive something like that? Do you uh, change school? Do you... I switched schools. It didn't help. It actually got worse. I went to a more like Islamic academy, like where it had like more Muslim curriculum integrated with like an American curriculum. And it just didn't, it didn't do, I didn't, I don't think I fit in really well there at all. And I don't, I don't speak to anyone from my graduating class. I don't know you anyone today? from high school. Yeah, no, 
Like you have a block on them mentally? Uh, yeah, I mentally blocked out a lot of those years, to be honest. Like, I don't really remember a lot of the things. I can remember, like, the big, massive things that happened. But I don't remember, like, my day-to-day in high school. Like, I don't remember. I just remember, like, the big things, like, being yelled at in front of all my what teachers. What was the worst? Tell me. The worst? The oh. worst experience that now, when I tell you about your high school, you remember. <sighs> uh, it's a dumb story, I guess. It's a little bit of a dumb story. But I had... I was one of those people that like put headphones in and like just kind of tried to ignore everything that was going on around me. And I had left class and there was someone's backpack on top of my backpack and I moved the backpack away. And then of course, like I went to my next class, I moved on, I'm like standing in art class. And the way that the girls had told this girl that I had moved her backpack was I had flung it across the thing. So this girl like comes out of nowhere, like looking for me all over the school, yelling for me all over the school. We're literally, it's in like a massive campus. She comes to the art class and is standing there telling me that I'm the most hated person in school, literally top of her lungs, like, everybody hates you, nobody can stand you, why do you even come here, why do you even come to school anymore? Awful crap like that. And so the teacher actually had to physically, like, take her away from me, and then another student had to physically take me to my guidance counselor. It was really bad. It was really bad. And I think that night that I went back home, my mom didn't know what was going on. Because my, my mom was the one that was like 100%. Like my dad had no idea what was going on. My mom was like, what, what's going on? And I, the only way that I could think of to really cope with it was that I was pretty sure that I wanted to die. Like I was pretty sure. So I tried and my mom was like, are you kidding? Like this is, are you joking? Like it's that bad? And I was like, it's so bad. I stayed out of school for like a week after that. I couldn't go back. I just like couldn't look at anyone. It was awful. It was so fucking awful. Shit. Thanks. <laughs> when you say you, you tried, what do you mean? You tried to kill yourself? Yeah, like I thought it was like the, the, the thing that I would solve shit, you know? Like I thought that was like the, the thing that would make it stop, but it didn't. Do you yeah. think a lot of people go through that? I think so. I think we don't really talk about it here, you know? Like it's, we don't like talk a, about a lot of things. We have we too many. We have a zoo, not so an elephant stuff. in the room. I know. It is. Like, it's an actual zoo. Like, there's so many things that we're too afraid to talk about, but they happen so much, like, on a daily basis to children here. And, like, I say children because, like, looking back on it, now that I have my own kids, I was a child. Like, I was 16, 17, maybe? 17, I think. It was awful. Like, that feeling that you just don't... You're like, I, I'm never going to do this again. How did you get back to school? I think it was, the whole thing happened... I want to say in the last, like, five or six months before I graduated. You're good now. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine now. Mm. It happened five or six months before I graduated, so it wasn't, it wasn't so bad, I guess. It was bad. Yeah, this mm. shit. <laughs> this whole mantra that I've decided to, like, adopt in life is there's no way past it but through it. Like, if you don't, you want to get to the other side of it, the only way to get to the other side is just, like, power through, you know? That's the only, like, thing that I can live by. There's no way past the stress till you're in the stress. You have to experience the stress to get past it, which helps. It helps me like mentally just like keep going. You think you're using what you felt in today's life? Yeah, for sure. I think like every experience is necessary, right? Like if those things hadn't happened to me in high school or it happened to me in general, I don't think I would have been able to use the platform that I have now to talk about these kinds of things more. And, like, it's a weird thing to talk about here. It's not, it's not the GCC standard of, like, fun topics to discuss. So, like, if I hadn't done it, then... I think the world is changing. Yeah, for sure. I think people want to, to hear and listen. And we need to 
cut the shit that everything is just perfect and jolly. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said something earlier, you said you just can't be happy all the time. I no. mean, really, what are you expecting? It's not sustainable. It's not normal. If I see somebody who's always smiling, I'm like, something's wrong with mm-hmm. you, bro. Why are yeah. you even smiling so much? Like, it's too much. Like, how many drugs are you on? Like, how yeah, are you smiling exactly. so much? It's not normal. No, it's not. So when I see somebody on s- social or whatever, even on social media, every mm-hmm. post can be jumping. Come on. Like, be human for a second. But the thing is that it's, it's super competitive here because if you, if you are this unhappy, like, cry on camera, here's my life stop story, you get nowhere really. You can't do this or that. It, it, it's... No, no, but even when you have it, like, interjected within your own, like, happy life and you're like, I'm super sad about this thing right now, people are like, jump, <laughs> I don't care, you know? It's like you have all these other things that I'm also aspiring to get. Like, how dare you tell me yeah. that life is bad when I'm here aspiring to have what you have? So a lot of it looks like But don't you think some, some of the audience need to feel that you're human also? Not yeah. all. Some of them want you to be perfect. I think I probably... It's a really, it's a really stupid thing to say. I think I would have gotten a lot farther if I had just pretended to be happy, sustainably. But happy. you'd get farther money and business-wise, but not happiness-wise. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know for a fact. You know that today, before, when I was just jotting down questions in my head, I'm like she was bullied. I swear to God. Yeah, I you can always it. tell a bully girl with no, like big know. daddy issues. You can always no, I tell. don't know if I could tell. I'd, I've never experienced it before where I looked at somebody and I'm like, he was bullied. Rarely, yeah. rarely in my life. I just had that gut feeling and I'm like, she has it. She went through it. Yeah. But that's why she's a fighter. And I don't mean it in a cheesy way. I mean, you're not satisfied. Mm-mm. You're always running after something, but probably you don't know exactly what. But you're, you're running after, you want to achieve something. Maybe you can't put your hands on it. No, I, like every project that comes along, like every new thing that we take, everything that's like, oh, wow, you've done super great for yourself. Every time that I'm almost there, like I'm, I'm almost to it, I get it. And I'm like, okay, this is the thing that's going to make me happy. This is the thing that's going to complete me. This is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing. And you get there and it's like... It's not the thing, dude. It's like, it's not the thing. And like, it's because you, you work up the emotion that surrounds it instead of like living in the present of it. You don't experience it when you're going through it. I read something very cool that you probably like. Let me get it right. It said, if you regret, you're living in the past. Mm-hmm. If you're anxious, you're living in the, the future. future. And if you're at peace, you're living mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's really beautiful. No, it's so good. I don't like to think too far ahead mm-hmm. and I don't like to have a grudge. It's not worth it. Well, it's never worth it. I mean, for me, doing what I do now, so many of the girls that, especially the, the one that I had this whole experience with in high school, emailed me later on in life, I think a couple years after yeah. we'd graduated, I was like, I regret everything. And I was like, yeah, chill, dude, me too. Yeah. Like, of course, we regret shit. We're, high, we're in high school, we're dumb. Like, it's, we think that we're at the peak of like what our life is. I'm reaching 30, and like now I'm like, okay, this is. This is a lot better than, like, and we didn't peak in high school, you know, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good way to live in the past constantly. From something I read that I could interpret that your father's way of upbringing is extremely different than your mother's. Mm. I don't know if they're together or not, doesn't matter, but very different. Um, Is that true? My dad is an amazing psychologist. He works here in the university, and he's quite well known in like his field. 
so it's really hard to talk about like someone that's super well respected yeah. like in society. I feel like it it does like a disservice to everything that they've achieved on their own. So I tend not to really talk about it often, but really like my mom was the only one that raised us. I need to also as much as you're being open, I have to be open too mm-hmm. or it doesn't work. And I can relate absolutely like and this is no criticism to either parent, mm-hmm. yours or mine. I think what people mistake is that if you can you can excel in a career So mm-hmm. let's say my father and your father excelled in their career, but mm-hmm. it doesn't automatically make them the no, best dads. at all. It's, it's, it's what they're good at, yeah. you know? And we can say, okay, my mother maybe didn't have the typical career that my father would have, but she excelled at being my friend mm-hmm. or my, mm-hmm. my backbone. So I don't think it's a criticism. It's, it's, it's not just a criticism. Some, yeah. It's a reality. It's reality, mm-hmm. and it's nothing wrong, you know? I, I actually respect sometimes I meet a, a, a man or a woman who's like, I hate kids. I'm like, okay, as long as you know it. Yeah. Or I don't want to be you. a mother or I don't yeah. want to be a father. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, it's up whole, to you. It's this whole thing here, though. Not everybody should be a mother. Not everyone should have children. No, they have uh, uh, children like they're a Birkin bag at the I moment. I know, it's so weird. Like, oh, I have the baby. Okay, sit there and play with your iPad. It's because it's our expectation. Like, it's status quo here. We've, we've had that kind of drilled into us, as women especially. Like, you have that drilled into you. As in, like, your worth is determined by whether or not you can, like... By two things. children. It's one marriage. Yes. Then children. the bonus is the kids. The kids. And, and if you're like not, you're, you're missing. Yeah. You're in Arabi. You're not a complete human being, sadly. Mm. And then you're like, okay, what about this? Isn't it Sah. complete? It's like it's not enough. Like, no. And I talked about this with uh, a few people, including Noor Al-Kabi. And I told her, I mean, no matter where women reach, especially in Arab societies, they can be CEOs, they can be w- anything, huge, all these awards and everything, and then they're like, but mom is Miskina. And that's the word they used, miskina. Mm. And, and she said something so interesting. She's like, when I hear a guy say that, I said, who is miskin? Mm. That, he that he thinks that way. Like, so, well, haram. Like, you're wasting, you're wasting your whole entire brain and existence on, like, this idea that your worth is determined by... Things and it's that you sad. Reach in life. It's Honestly, so sad. it's sad to bring up boys or girls mm-hmm. in a in way matter, yeah. to think that I'm only worthy or I only complete my chapters by doing that. What mm-hmm. if I'm not cut for it? No, for real. There's so many lost kids around that nobody cares about, mm-hmm. and they'll probably be psychos at some point. And it, for me, my worth was so like determined by trying to figure out some way to impress my dad, and like it just never, never happened, and still has not happened. And the whole idea was that I needed to go pretty hard into academia. So my family was really like an academic, like centered family. I was going to do my PhD, blah, 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 blah. But after a while, I just felt like it's just not, like it's not me. Like it's not really, it makes me sick. Academia kind of makes me sick. I got really lost in it. And for me, I graduated top of my class. I could have done whatever I wanted in academia, but like letting that go, graduating as I graduated, And working for all these like straight A's and doing whatever I could, I got to the end of it and I was just so burnt out and so sick. And I was like, it's the worst possible thing that I could continue doing to myself. Like trying to prove my worth in something that is not somebody true. else's measure of worth and not no. my measure of worth. That's somebody else's measuring stick. I don't want that measuring stick for myself. Like, it's not what I'm looking for. Like you have to t- try and like find like a good balance of when when is it that you start living your life for yourself and start and stop living it for I don't know, fulfilling one of your parents' dreams, you know, like it's yeah. just a, 
It's very selfish if the parents expect that. So selfish. And parents across the world are guilty of this. Yeah, everywhere. I want him to be a footballer. Okay, why? Because you didn't make it? Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Or he wants to, does he want to play? The um, only vision that I have for my children now is like their happiness in the future. And like obviously not like a, like a sustained, constant happiness, but like their happiness and what is it, whatever it is that they're doing. So like when Ahmed and I sometimes will sit and we'll be thinking of the boys in their future and I can't think of anything. Other than like seeing them grown, that's it. That's literally where my like expectations stop. I just want. Health. I just want you grown and healthy and happy, and that's it. I can't picture where they might go to college, what their job might be, who they might be married to, what they might be doing, what they wear. I I can't nothing, none of it. Like I, it's literally just. Are you happy? Are you healthy? That's awesome. Like I'm here. You can live in my house for as long as you want. Like fine, what you need to do. I want you to be driven, but that's. Are you happy? Know. Are you healthy? I'm happy and healthy, alhamdulillah. You feel so? Yeah, now yes. Good. Yeah. Is, is it true that you had a food disorder? Yes, yeah. Problem? Is that what they call it? Yeah, uh, eating disorder. Eating disorder, sorry. It was all around like, I had no control over what I wore. I had no control over where I went. I had no control over who would speak to me and who wouldn't speak to me when I was what at school. What do you mean? My dad was really strict about what I wore. My dad would not really let me go anywhere that I wanted to go. I wasn't able to hang out with anyone at school because really nobody at school was... Wanted to hang out wanted to hang out with me in the first place. I'm a loner. And so, like, the only thing that I could control was what I put in my body. And that was it. That was literally the only... Interesting. The only thing. So that aspect of control for me was like, okay, well, I have, I'm out of control of every other aspect of my life. So this is the thing that I will control. And it was really unfortunate that that was it. How long did that last? A couple years. Really? Yeah, like, I want to say two to three. I started as anorexic. Um, so I just stopped eating. And then... People picked up on the fact that I never ate. So I started eating, but then vomiting it, which was equally destructive, if not more so. And so now all of my teeth are crowned. I ruined my teeth from like vomiting all mm -hmm. the time. But it's the only thing that I could control. Like I speak about it so, super passively now, but it's still like is properly in my mind. Like once you have an eating disorder, I don't think it ever goes away. But well, then how do you get out of it? You remind yourself that you can't be in control of everything. It's like can't control it you can't control it you can't control you can't control how your body reacts to things you just can't like you've got to let it go eventually but i mean i worked through it myself i worked through it with a lot of other help but like everybody does it differently but like it comes back at stupid moments right like so when i'm pregnant oh like what, oh my god the worst when i'm pregnant it's the worst because i'm literally out of control of my body my yeah. body's like i'll take over from here yeah. i got this I do it. I will grow the human. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. You know, like I'm out. Like there's no, you can't, you can't control that. And so like, that was really maddening. I was like, I'm so out of control. What the fuck is that? Like it's awful. Would you say you have an addictive personality? No. No, you're in control. Yeah, no, I don't. Impulsive? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we got the laughs there. Like, mm. um, my team. Okay. So our team, <laughs> the team has this thing where they call each other when Asya is doing something dumb and they say Asya is trying to make the sun rise from the opposite side and mm. the moon set on the opposite <laughs> side again <laughs> and then there's panic mode and yeah. then everyone's like not again but I can't help it I don't know I'm sorry I got I got this uh, I didn't personally hear this right but uh, I heard that and you probably heard it a lot if people told me this that Asya's marriage to Ahmed is a show. I know. What is that? Why? That's why I want to talk. I don't about. understand it. Like been, I really you've been married it. for a while. Yeah. So in today's world, people don't last six months. 
It's so super weird. We've been I don't think it's a coincidence that somebody lasts nowadays because marriages don't last nowadays. Was that like a business? It wasn't like a business agreement. I don't know. It's super weird. I get this all the time and I get the whole like, um, no, I'm not going to go into that one. Never mind. But Feel free. No, I can't. But yeah, I don't understand why the whole idea. Is I think it's also benchmarking because they see these uh, overly expressive couples mm-hmm. online and they'll benchmark you there. And if you're not as touchy, touchy and oh, I love you, lovey dovey kind of thing, mm-hmm. they don't like it. They're like, mm-hmm. mm, they're not happy. Um, I would posit to say, and this is a theory that I have, that the touchier and lovier and goo goo gaga people are something is off on Instagram. Something is super off. I agree. I just it makes me very uncomfortable to witness it. So it's just like if it's not, over, absolutely, I think there's something for off. sure. I don't want to watch you kiss your wife's head um, like constantly on Instagram. Mm. I don't need you to story that every day. Like it's just yeah. that those are great moments every once in a while. It's nice to share it because you're a couple and you're happy and you're sharing what you love. But like, if it's constant, it's like, is this your selling point? Is this like the thing, mm. you know? But I don't understand the whole, yeah, I don't get it. But I've heard that a lot. So you'd say you're happily married. Yeah, for sure, dude. It and takes it, so much work though. Like I'm just gonna. And yeah, well, that's where I'm going. I'm not asking just because I want gossip. I'm asking because we are in a time that I think it's a very instant gratification time. So mm. I'm hungry, I ordered, ordered with an app. I need a car, I order with an app. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving them any promotion, you see. <laughs> so it's no very quick. <laughs> yeah. Very quick, instant, instant. You want to see somebody, you go on Tinder or social media. <laughs> yeah. Tuck, tuck, tuck. So the moment you say, I need time to do something, people don't like it. Mm. I need uh, to lose weight, lipo. Mm. I want to get a six pack, you can actually get it supposedly. Yeah. So I'm like, you know... You also lipo. Lipo and Just like silicon. I heard some people do silicon. <laughs> I don't it's get sad. it. Where they so anyways, like packs. Imagine. Like even if you're relaxed, you have a six pack. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. It's but strange. what I'm thinking is that is very misleading. Because mm. say, let's say, let's say somebody wants to do the six pack normally, right? Even if he goes to the gym for 20 hours straight, it doesn't appear. Mm-mm. But you go for three months... Three times a week, you probably get it. And with the right diet, Food. fine. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. But that's where people are missing out. That some good things in life take time. Take so much time. So now when we come to the marriage model, a lot of people don't want to put in the hard work. They think, I love him, he loves me, everything's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But love is like... It's just, not sustainable. It's a token. It's, it's one part of it. My mom had the saying that it's lucky when two people don't fall out of love at the same time. That there's always one person to be working on the marriage when the other person is like donezo, you know? Yeah. And like there's something to be said for that. Not the like overly stalkerish, I love you, please take me back, please, I'm going to make this work. No, like respect people's boundaries, but also show people that you're willing to put in the work, you know? Mm. Like when they've done and they've given up on you, be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm super willing to work on this. Let's sit down, let's talk, let's like, let's figure out what it is that my behavior from my behavior is irritating you and I'll let you know what behaviors are setting me off. But like so much of a relationship is But talking. people don't have patience, Asya. I don't know why. Yeah, and the moment it's like, they're like, okay, bye. I'm out. And, and they're literally out. Yeah, they don't bother. Hmm. And I'm not saying you should stay if you're miserable. No, don't. Don't. Leave. No. But I'm just saying also, the moment you have one hiccup, you're like, mm, too much hiccups. I need hmm. to. No, hmm. why? Why is it extreme? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But like you said, it's that instant gratification like idea that. What's the main thing that you think is so important for a relationship? 
communication. I was going to say, I'm glad you said it. Yeah, just constant, like constant communication. And not constant, like I'm, in, I'm invading your privacy constantly. But also giving each other your privacy is really important. Like this whole going through each other's phone thing is sick. Like none of that should ever A happen. A friend told me once and that if you catch your partner checking your phone, just leave. It's done. Yeah, it's no, you're like... There's no point. It's, but like physically checking your phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, like taking your phone, yeah, waiting yeah. for you to sleep, opening yeah. it with like yeah, your it's face. It's Super creepy opening yeah. an eye yeah. so you get the face like recognition thing. Super creepy, bounce, yeah. you're gone. <laughs> it's crazy. Like there's no fixing crazy. <laughs> like... No. It's a lot. It's a lot. Okay, let's go to the more, uh, I think, very interesting topics that you probably talked about. But you don't consider yourself a hijabi. No. And do you no. think you're reaching the point where it would be completely off? Because I think it's reducing. It's, it's shrinking. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm happy where, where, with what I'm doing now. Because the, hearing your background story, it's, um, it's like a blend what you are today, yeah. it's a blend of your story. It's yeah, a it's bit like conservative, a but not... It's a bit Islamic or religious, but not... It's... it's I, don't, I, don't like to, I don't like to call myself a hijabi just because I feel like everything that I represent sometimes can be not the full package of what the mainstream idea of a hijab is. And then that, in turn, is disrespectful to people that are mainstream hijab right like but i think what people also misunderstand is hijab is not just a piece of cloth no it's not it's a behavior yeah, it's, it's how like you talk it's how your manners are but yeah you can be the worst human being in the town but you wear a hijab but you wear what, a scarf. What, yeah what, what does that do nothing exactly i know i know on a personal level and i think that everybody that does know me on a personal level can say that those those things that you're meant to represent with the hijab on about like modesty towards other people and modesty of your tongue and modesty of like just your overall actions. I do that on a day-to-day basis, but I don't really consider them like hijabi things. Mm. Like they're just be a freaking good person things. Like just be good. Like just do what you can be good. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the the scars association. I'm not sure, but I know that I like the control of how much of myself is revealed to people on a public platform. Okay. Like, that's very comfortable for And me. what about the tattoos? It was, I think, like this in the beginning. Was it? I don't know, I'm asking you. No, was it for, no, no but, it's always and, been like... And then the, you always... No, but I heard you gradually showed it. Oh, the tattoos? Yeah. Um, not, no, not, I don't think I gradually showed them. I just... They gradually became more and more, and then they became visible. But I've uh, always had them. But since. were you consciously thinking, I need to hide them? I need to hide them, or people are going to judge, judge me? Or I tried to hide them before I got married. Okay. Because my dad didn't know I had them. But as soon as you got married, like... And then as soon as I got married, I was like... Not your problem anymore. Yeah. yeah, so that was kind of like the only, the only transition. But other than that, no. So how do, what do they represent? Why um, do you do them? I think everything is like a little bit of a different representation. But this one for me is like, it's based off like Jungian theory. So Carl mm-hmm. Jung, like the Which duality is? of the mind. So okay. they're just basically that you can, your mind can be in multiple places. Dimensions? Not dimensions, mm. but like you can have that's another a multi, interview. that's another interview <laughs> and I'm the wrong person. Yeah. No, but like having a multifaceted, I think like personality is what this is kind of okay. pretty represent. So I mean, generally with the tattoos, you think that they're an I've wanted artistic them. expression of yourself? Yeah, I've wanted them for God. And do you regret? No, never. It's part of you. Because every one of them like holds like a proper memory of when I got them done. So like even this one, I hate this one. But like this is my like most hated one. But I remember picking the tattoo artist up at 6 a.m. in Kuwait because it's illegal here. Mm. 
and like finding a way to get my parents to go to Dubai for a day so I could yeah. get this done and then it being the worst freaking tattoo that I've ever gotten mm. and that's so much fun like it's, it's a good a memory yeah and my, my sister-in-laws were with me it was like a lot of fun my brother was with me mm. it was like done in our duania so do you think it's tricky though trying to blend all of this in an Arab no you don't think it's difficult? No, because Arabs can be whatever they want to be if they're not like constrained by what everybody else thinks about them. Stop caring. But society is constrained. Or it's, not, it's though. perceived to be. It's or they expect to be you to be. If I'm not doing anything that physically harms anyone else or my own children or my own family, then really it's nobody else's. So you're with, this, with the philosophy that it's my body? Yeah, yeah. For I sure. get to do. I'm with that philosophy, like with the philosophy on like every aspect and every walk of life. It's my this is my vessel is how I get to live in it through life, and like I would like to experience it in the one chance that I get to live it the way that I want to. It doesn't bother you that a lot of um, a lot of people might come and say you're a bad influence. So you're it's like uh, encouraging. You're encouraging the youth to do it because they'll say ah it's religiously wrong or culturally wrong. Or it's not wrong. religiously wrong for my. In my, your understanding. Yeah, my yeah, understanding. Okay, but that's their argument. No, because I'm not asking anyone and I'm not explicitly saying that you can pick up and this is where you can get my tattoo and I, yeah, I yeah. encourage you to get it right here with yeah. this tattoo artist in this place. Like, no, I'm not. That's, that's me explicitly trying to mm. encourage someone to do something and then aiding them in doing it. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm just showing the majority that there's another way to live without caring about what your neighbors say. And caring about what your aunt's uncle says. Like, you really don't have to. You don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We talked about um, you're not satisfied. I mm. think generally it's the nature. Like, you always yeah, want to like strive for more. You're hungry. But what are you hungry for? What do you think? Okay, maybe you don't know. What do you think you want to achieve in this life before you're gone? I think what first comes to mind is, like, to be able to leave a legacy to my kids that I'm proud of. Like on a overall basis, not even monetarily, just like whatever accomplishments that I'm able to like get up to in the like this crazy small amount of time that I'm here. Like at least my kids will look back and be like, oh, she did some shit. Has motherhood changed, do you think? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm a lot nicer to people <laughs> because I remember that everyone is someone's child. And like if yeah. it were me, I would be, oh my God. If someone said, like, let's say someone slams a door on their way out or doesn't hold a door open for me. If I got mad at him, it's the equivalent of somebody else getting mad at my own kid for not doing the same. Like, but maybe he was in a really crappy mood that day or something really bad happens to him or he's distracted or he's on the phone. So you give excuses for like people's misbehaviors and that's an okay thing to do sometimes. You know, mm. I feel like that's a fair thing to do is to be able to give those things. And actually something that I learned from you mm. the first time that we met, sure. I don't know if you remember it, but yeah. I do it often now. You told me that, I don't I think it was someone that had told you or you live by it as well is that if you think a kind thing about someone and you don't share it, that it's an unkind thing not to share it. It's selfish and it's greedy. And it's super selfish. I think greedy people... I live people. by that, bro, I live by that. You don't even understand that changed, like, everything. I live by that daily, dude. Like, if I'm out and I see someone, like, that looks bomb from head to toe, you can tell that they care about, like, what they're wearing, you know? Yeah. It's a, it maybe look, it looks frivolous to everybody else, but I'm, I walk up to that person, I'm like, you look freaking bomb. And then I walk away. Like, that's all... Yeah, That's it. Because I thought the kind thing, and it's so selfish of me to not say the kind thing. But the likewise for unkind things. You can, as it's human nature, you think unkind things, but you don't have to share all the unkind things. Yeah. That's, it's selfish of you to share unkind things. Very true. 
So like it's a it's a thing. That it's really because helps. you want to share it because you want to feel better and yeah. want to blurt it out. Yeah. But you just I just like the idea of words. They are so powerful. Yeah, they're super. If I like today we talked about high school with you, right? We don't remember if somebody probably punched us. Yeah. But somebody said something really that can break you. Oh my dude, it breaks you so and much. And you can t- today we can go to anybody sitting here and say something really hurtful. They'll never forget it. Literally, words. It is so powerful. Mm. You can make somebody's day better, exactly. even if it's five percent better. Mm-hmm. Or really, they they'll hate you, or you'd break them. If it's somebody who loves you, you can destroy them with a word. Yeah, dude. Really. I I live by it daily. Like I try and think. I try and be really conscious of things that I say to my children, even when I'm mad at them. Like, let's say they've done something. Like Adam is almost five, so he knows when he's doing something wrong, and it's kind of like, bro. You could have tried a little harder to freaking not do those things. But, like, I have to think, like, do, if I say something that scars him now, like, am I going to be the reason he's sitting in therapy, like, 30 years from now? Like, oh, God, it all started with my mom. And, like, I could totally see that happening. Like, so I try and picture that far in advance, like, mm. everything I say, you know? You're looking because forward to super. this year? Yeah, I think there's, like, we opened our first store this mm. year. Mm. And that has always been, like, a dream of mine to, to open, like, a physical store. It's a really crappy year for retail, but I did it anyway. And like, I remember setting it up and thinking, really live in the moment of it. And then having everybody around me be like, remember to remember this. Don't get caught up in the stress of it. So I was like, remember to remember, like setting up (laughs) everything. Remember to enjoy. It's so hard. It's so hard to do, but you have to do it. I have, uh, I've been saying this a lot to the team, to my family. I feel it's a good year. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a big year. I think 2020 will be better because Trump won't be in power and like mm. the entire world won't be like affected by the ripple effect of crazy. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll be better next year. But this year sounds good so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I wanted to enjoy this. I really wanted to enjoy this conversation. And uh, I wasn't let down at all. Thank you. I well, thought... thanks for teaching me big life lessons. And I'm glad it came full circle it's... now. Life lessons have to go back and forth, and they are. No, but honestly, like, it really, like, I can remember where you and I had that conversation. Like, the funny I remember... thing is, you know, we've hardly met Asya. Like, I know. I usually like to, to interview or sit with somebody who I pr- probably had the acquaintance of a few times. But with you, it's been limited numbers. I know, it's But so the weird. impression was so strong. I, I remember because the, the first time it was with my brother, Hart, and I'm like, she's cool. She's <laughs> our vibe. She's as weird as us and as cool as we need to like talk to her. I like that you guys are weird, though. Yeah. I like, I like I our like, weird. It's, honestly, it's a good weird. Yeah. It's like a good weird. And, and when I think that what made it super easy to be around you was that life lesson that you gave me the very first time because I think you dropped it like a freaking mic drop in the middle of our uh-huh. conversation in the, like, the first five minutes. And I was like... Just standing there like, you're so great, dude. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for today. Thanks, homie. Thank you. Thank you. That was good.